This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Hi, my name is Steve. You're listening to Bible Toolbox on um, Cape Pulpit. I, I, I always like to ask questions because a question kind of focuses your mind and it allows you to try and dig a little bit deeper just by asking the question. So one of the questions I had here after reading Ephesians, uh, I came across a four-letter word. It's called work. We don't like that word, work. But as Christians, what is our work? What are we supposed to do? What work is this? Are we talking about works of faith, or do we just live by faith? This is a, a theme that uh, the Apostle Paul tackles, and in one way he answers it in the Ephesian letter. If you turn to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, Paul writes something very strange. At least I thought the wording is very strange, which caused me to start thinking about this concept of Christian work. This is what Paul writes to the Christians in Ephesus, or the area of Ephesus. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, I find that a little bit strange. Is there a difference between the word work and the word workmanship? I mean, I understand the concept of work. We've, we've all had jobs. We all had to, uh, to do things that perhaps we, we didn't even like our employers or, in, or where we worked or anything like that, but we understood the concept of work. If you're going to provide your family as a man, you're going to provide for your family, you have to go to work somewhere. You have to have a job, and you have to understand what the job entails so that you can do it better, so that you can get paid more, so you can make an, 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 you can advance in your life. But is this what God is talking about here, Paul is talking about here. He says, we are his workmanship. His implies ownership, his workmanship. So what is he trying to say? Are we God's workers or are we God's workmanship? Well, if you look in the Greek, and I'm not an expert in the Greek, in Paul's Ephesians letter, the word for workmanship is poema. I hope I'm pronouncing it correct, but I don't know. Poema. And it means a practical work, something that you do, not con some concept you say, well, I, I sat there and I just watched everybody else work. I'm the supervisor. This is practical work. The word was also used uh, during the time of Paul to describe a poem that implied creative skills and craftsmanship. In a sense, we are God's poems, which reveals the grace of God of salvation to all who will read it in our lives. So what does our poem say? What does our poem say? What is the poem that, that Paul is implying here? Well, I think the first thing is that salvation is a divine work. Only God, through his Son, can save souls. If you turn to Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, this is what Luke writes. He says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given amongst men by which we must be saved. It's exclusive, okay? I know a lot of people think, well, if I'm a good person, you know, I, I, I don't steal, I don't lie, I don't cheat, you know, I'm a good guy, I help my neighbor, I'm, I try to help the poor and things like that, so I'm good enough. Well, 
Salvation is a little bit more than that. It says here there's only one name, there's only one way to the throne of God. There's only one name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Okay, so if that's the case, then what name? Well, if you turn to John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So salvation is exclusive. It's a divine work which only God can provide through his Son, whom he sent into the world. Now, I find something else a little bit strange in the Gospel of John. Uh, if you have your Bibles and you want to read along, I'm going to refer to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Because Christ's miracle in Bethany is the one that caused his enemies to uh, cooperate together to ensure, the, of his, to ensure his death. He, uh, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and the Romans were all conspirators in murder. In murder, Christ was murdered. We like to say Christ is, is crucified, which he was, but it was a plot for murder. In John chapter 11, Jesus hears that his friend Lazarus is sick. His friend Lazarus is sick. So he delays, and Lazarus eventually dies. And in John chapter 11, verse 17, he said, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had been put in the grave four days before. The village of Bethany near Jerusalem was less than two miles away. Many Jews had come to Mary and Martha to comfort them over their brother's death. When Mary heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary remained to sit in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, my brother would never have died if you had been here. Even now, I know that if you ask God, he will give you anything. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise from death. Wow. Here is a situation where Jesus was friends with Mary, Martha, and their brother, Lazarus. And Lazarus had died, and of course, both of the sisters are very distraught. And they said the same thing to him when they first met him. They, they did greet him, according to John. They didn't greet him. They said, well, if you'd have been here when we asked you to come, you could have healed him. He would not have died. And I suppose they were a little bit resentful, and they were a little bit angry, and they were still grieving. He'd only been gone four days, and they were still mourning. Mourners had still come around to comfort the sisters. So Jesus says, well, your brother will rise from the death. In verse 24, Martha said to Jesus, I know that Lazarus will rise again when all people are raised on the last day. She's ducking the issue here. Jesus told her plainly, Lazarus will rise from death. And he's making this as a promise. What does she say? Well, yeah, sure, okay, I understand, yes, on the last day. Yeah, yeah, okay, everybody will rise from the death. Then Jesus answered her again. I am the resurrection and the life. The person who commits himself to me will live, even though he may die. Every person who lives and commits himself to me will never die. Do you believe this? Now, here's, I, I take this as a little bit of a, conf a confrontation here. 
I mean, Mary and Martha and Lazarus had been visited by Jesus and his disciples before. In fact, Mary was the one who sat at Christ's feet while all the other preparations in the house were being made by Martha, and she heard the teachings of Jesus. She was a personal witness to this. So Martha is now saying, well, yeah, okay, we know on the last day when my brother will rise again. And Jesus said, wait a minute. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe? Do you be, and his, his question is point blank. Do you believe this? So what, is Mar- so what does Martha say? Martha said to him, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God who came into the world. Ducking the question again. She doesn't say, yes, Lord, I believe you. I have faith in you. I put my heart and soul in you. No, she doesn't say that. She says, I believe that you are the Messiah. You are the King, the Christ, the King, promised from the Old Testament. She doesn't say anything about her brother now being raised from the dead. You know, this is, I think that many Christians are in this position today. You know, we are now so hammered by the world with social media and people doubting, and some people even saying, well, Jesus wasn't really Jesus. He was just a good guy. He was a prophet. He was a good teacher. Uh, all this kind of thing, they kind of duck the issue of who Jesus is. Jesus himself states flatly, I am the resurrection and the life. And the question comes to you and me today, as it will for everybody. Do you believe this? The whole Christian faith is based upon the resurrection of Christ. If Christ had not been raised from the dead, as Paul writes to the Corinthians, then our faith is useless. Our faith is useless. We have no hope. We don't have any hope at all. So, Jesus, of course, you know the end of the story. Jesus goes to the graveside. They tell him to roll away the stone. And, of course, they say, wait, hey, just a minute here. He's been in there four days, four days. He's, his flesh is already rotting. There will be a smell. There will be an odor. Okay? And Jesus calls Lazarus out of the grave. He calls Lazarus out of the grave. I am the resurrection and the life. This is the work of the Holy Spirit and Christ from God the Father. Salvation is a divine work. Only God can save, save, us through his, save our souls through his Son. Then also in this, this passage that Paul wrote, salvation is inward. It's a spiritual and life-changing lifestyle. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Acts chapter 10 and verse 43. Here, Peter is witnessing Cornelius and the people in his house who are Gentiles, mainly Gentiles. And you'll see right after this verse, the Holy Spirit fell on them like they did to the the disciples in Acts chapter 2 in Jerusalem. So salvation has a little bit more in this God's workmanship than we think. Salvation is dynamic, it's continual, it's progressive. In order that the coming ages be shown to be incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his likeness to us in Christ Jesus, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7. Paul encourages them, say, listen, for the coming ages, for the coming ages, he is incomparable. He has riches of his grace given to us through the kindness of Christ. God's workmanship is a labor of love. It's a work of obedience and faith in the actions and choices we make in this life. 
Salvation is a past accomplishment for Christians. It was completed already by Christ when he raised from the dead. It's a present progress. Every day that we live, it's a progress we make in our life. Our salvation, our workmanship that God has given us, is something that we have to deal with every single day of our lives. It's, it, salvation has been accomplished, okay? But we have to live it in action. You know, there's only two days of the week where you can't do anything. Yesterday and tomorrow, you can't do anything with, but with either of those days. Okay, so we have to understand that we are busy with our faith through God's workmanship. We are his workmanship while we are here and alive on this earth. One last scripture. For he says, in favorable time, I listened to you. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time and now is the day of salvation. May God bless you. Thank you for listening. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.